Hello, can you hear me? Hello, this is Rachel Rapino. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm good. I'm so sorry. It just was a real struggle getting on this thing. I heard. I heard. This is something new that's on Anchor. This is, oh, that's on Anchor? Yes, ma'am. This is, um, the Anchor allows you to do um, what is called like podcasting on it. Mm -hmm. And um, it allows you to podcast, stream with friends, uh, post your things up there on like different formats like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spreaker and all that other good stuff that podcasts can be landed on. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's weird. Like I I could I made an account online. Mm -hmm. The interface online is so much different than the interface on the app. And there mm -hmm. was no search engine. There was no way to like add you. So then I downloaded the app and then the app kept wigging out. And then finally, like it popped up where I could add you. And anyway, here we are now. Yes, we are. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing me to give you a, a, an exclusive interview on the show. Um, one, I want to tell you a little bit about the Real Sports Show. Um, yeah, tell me about it. It's a sports show. It's It was created to be like a family-based show to give our audience members a chance to, you know, basically tell what, ask questions on the show, debate with us live on the show, to give people the chance to do something at first take and all the rest of the ESPN um, TV shows um, aren't doing yet. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's an open... It's like basically an open chat that gives, um, how would I put this, our audience members time to debate with us while we're on the show talking about topics and things like yeah. that in sports. So, um, one, uh, so tell uh, the world a little bit about you um, on the show. Well, my name is Rachel Rapino, and mm -hmm. I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Mindy and we are a sports CBD brand. Um, okay. And my, my history really lies in the soccer and performance space. I, you know, was an elite soccer player, played division one, won national championship, played in the pros a little bit overseas. And ultimately my body just could not handle the beating, um, right. you know, multiple surgeries. <clears throat> um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't stay fit at that level. I couldn't stay healthy. So I, but I'd always had a passion for uh, health and exercise and wellness. And so I worked kind of in the health and wellness space for a while. And then I worked at Nike for a very, very short stint and realized that I did not want to be a part of such a big company. Um, right. So I went and got my master's in health and exercise and built my, built the training business and a brand here in Portland. And then eventually a national training business with my sister, Megan Rapino, who yes. most people know is the um, pink haired lesbian goddess <laughs> that flattened yes. France like a crepe in the 2019 world cup. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yes. And so, yeah, so I've been kind of in the, the soccer training and performance space we also have or had a lifestyle apparel line that was all online and sort of built okay. a brand all about being your best self. Uh, so now I tell people that I just sort of now it will am and will forever be in the business of being your best you. Um, and it sort of spawned from this 
this like exhaustion in the sports world of always trying to strive to be the best. And especially with like youth kids, you know, we, my sister and I get asked all the time, like, what do they need to do to be the best? And, you know, how did, how can they become like the next, you know, world cup champion, Olympic gold medalist. And it's just, it's exhausting. And it's, it's an exhausting, um, you know, thing to try and sell, or, you know, talk about with parents, because the reality is, is like, those athletes are like less than 1% of the world, you know? So what I realized is like, I'm so much more passionate about helping kids or helping people just be their best selves and just set them up for success for life. Um, yeah. So, and then, you know, then we started Mindy and Mindy again is a sports brand. So I'm still in the sports space. I'm obviously not doing training, but providing much healthier recovery tools and pain management tools to athletes um, on the crux of this opioid crisis and just over-the-counter meds and Ambien and everything else that they're prescribed. So, you know, cannabis has been around for a long time. Yes, Uh, it has. Overwhelming. Um, Hopefully it will become federally legal very soon. Uh, (laughs) Cross our fingers. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, the thing that's funny is like, all these leagues have ban have these CBD bans. Um, and what a lot of people I don't think realize, and even athletes, is like you can't actually test for CBD. You can test for THC, but right. you really there's no marker to test for CBD. So it's just, you know, they're basically they've instilled the fear of God in these athletes. But <laughs> and I would never tell you know an athlete to take CBD if you're in a league that has that ban, but you actually can't be tested for it. Well, I guess it's because of the fact of the matter is, is that um, with all the THC levels, with a lot of athletes taking, take, I mean, smoking cannabis and doing a lot of different things in the off seasons and trying to recover faster or trying to get over the pain that they're in. So they take, I guess, um, THC level, um, THC, mm-hmm. just, you know, to help them recuperate or get the pain, um, bring their pain level downward. Yep. And the funny and the thing about it is, is that some athletes abuse it. Mm-hmm. And when I say some athletes abuse it, they abuse it so much that they let that take control of their bodies. And then when they're tested or when they go into like mini camps or training camp facilities, they're going back home and doing the same thing over and over again. Instead of taking a pause from it or trying to figure out some other ways of you know, doing things that bring their pain level down. And with mm-hmm. your company, I believe that helped them out even more. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think, so, you know, especially on the, on the CBD side of things, if you, if you can take it like a, a daily supplement, it really is a wonderful natural pain relief option um, and anti-inflammatory. Uh-huh. The THC, you know, I, I'm, I've never been, I've never had a, a real high tolerance for cannabis in general. So CBD, definitely. I could take that obviously a lot more THC. I have to be a little bit careful. A little bit can go a long way. Cause I'm, you know, five, four, 125 pounds. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, you know, the CBD definitely, if you could take a little bit every day and just feed your endocannabinoid system, it really can give you a lot of mileage as an athlete. And as you're saying, you know, THC, you know, a little bit is good. Everything in moderation. That's kind of my rule of thumb right. is everything in moderation um, works better. But CBD definitely right. you can have in your system kind of every day, all day. Yeah. And I mean, I wish that, I mean, so how would you explain to an athlete 
that may be scared to take your product or take CBD on a regular day basis to help them cooperate without taking the THC. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. So, I mean, you know, marijuana, so the marijuana plant and the hemp plant were bred for totally different purposes. Obviously marijuana has way higher levels of THC, lower levels, lower, lower levels of CBD. And that is what's not federally legal, but hemp is federally legal. So right now all of our products come from the hemp plant and we've, Uh we've launched with a line specific for pro athletes or just really anyone that's getting tested by their league, state government. Um, So we've actually stripped all of the THC and some other cannabinoids out of our products. So we've really touted as, as a CBD only line with like minimal traces of other cannabinoids but zero thc you would never you would never get uh test positive for any thc in your system with our line that's out right now um okay yeah so you definitely it's it's safe to use all throughout the year um again no Mm -hmm. thc now we are going to launch a full spectrum line which again just we're expanding our hemp recovery line so it's still the hemp plant right but we've kept all the other can we'll, we'll keep all the other cannabinoids and the THC in the product, but with hemp again, it's 0.3% or less of THC. So you, you, it wouldn't be enough to like get you mentally intoxicated like the marijuana plant would. Right. Um, but right. I mean, really like whole plant is better. So we're really excited for the full spectrum line. It's just, unfortunately for athletes, we couldn't come to market with that because they would never be able to use it and still compete in their leagues. Right. Right. So, I mean, let's say I take a basketball player who just got injured, um, Gordon Hayward. And uh, Do you know about him? Yeah. Um, how he injured his leg. I think it was his leg that he injured oh, and he yeah. was out for an entire season. That was a gnarly and, uh, ankle injury. Right, right. So um, how would you, if he was to expand on one of your products, how would you tell a person like Gordon Hayward, hey, come on over here and, you know, take some of these products that I know you're in a little bit of pain over there, but this product, I mean, this product that I have, which is Mindy, you know, it doesn't have any TAC levels in it, doesn't have anything that would test positive that would get you kicked out the league, but it will also help you recover a little bit faster and it will also help you bring down some of your pain levels that you have in your in your legs or your ankle or however else you may need to recover after a long strenuous training from getting on I mean, your recovery process. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, if, if I'm being totally honest, if I was Gordon Hayward and I knew that I was going to be out for a year and I wasn't going to be tested within that year, and I don't know the testing protocols of the NBA for injured players, but I'm just mm-hmm. assuming that if you're injured and not competing, you're probably not getting tested. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was him, I would start, I would use THC to be honest, like from the get go right after his surgery, because, you know, there Mm -hmm. is a place for opiates in the first few days after surgery, because you are in a lot of pain when you have like an invasive surgery like that. His ankle was gnarly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would look like just crazy. Yeah. So I'm sure he was in a lot of pain and, you know, use opiates for a couple of days, get some sleep. But then as soon as you can start incorporating cannabis to try and get off those pills, because it only takes a few days for your body to become somewhat addicted to them. So I mm-hmm. would start using THC pretty much immediately um, to help with the pain right away and to help sleep. And then as soon as he c- is walking around, starting to do his rehab, feeling a little bit better, I would switch from 
you know, slowly go from marijuana to the hemp plant, but I would do full spectrum for sure. Because again, it's whole plant, mm-hmm. a little bit THC, all the other cannabinoids that can help with inflammation, right. pain, sleep, neurobalance. Um, so I would switch to more of the CBD, like the more active and the more you're able to do, you definitely don't want to be high all the time. Right. But you still want to feed your right. cannabinoid system. So for the, mm-hmm. for the bulk of his recovery in that year, I'd be using right. full spectrum CBD pretty much all day. Um, right, right. Then as he's getting closer to competing, getting back in the NBA where he know where he knows he's going to be tested. And again, I can't tell athletes to use CBD only that I cannot do that. And I won't do that because ultimately, right. you know, the, the leagues have a policy and you have to respect that, but yes. technically you can't, necessarily test for cbd so if an athlete wanted to use a mindy cbd only product while they're competing or in the months or or ranges where they know they're not going to be tested they could use just the cbd product that has zero traces of thc um and use it you know after hard trainings at night to help sleep so i that's kind of like the the transition you know, from one end of the spectrum for, of cannabis to the other that I would recommend someone like Gordon Hayward uh, use okay. as a protocol. Okay. So um, how would you tell yourself? Um, I know you went through a lot of injuries in your career. Your career was kind of cut a little short. Mm-hmm. And I know you was on the brinks of going to big timing and taking soccer to a next level <laughs> kind of deal. Um, how would you tell yourself at that age now that you've come out with your own line, of your own line, your own product, how would you tell yourself that at a young age from, from you now to yourself at a young age? Yeah. I mean, I, w- I definitely wish that I would have known about cannabis or been more mm-hmm. educated on it because you know at that I mean I grew up in the just say no to drugs era so like all drugs were fearful and bad and you know I was scared to death yes, of, yes. yeah like pot was the gateway drug to to worse things right like that's that's totally what the I cocaine. was yeah meth all I mean I grew up in an area where there's a lot of meth and so drugs totally freaked me out um but I wish I would have known <laughs> about them because I had so many surgeries and I you know started using opiates when I was 21 that was the first surgery I had and of course that's what I'm prescribed and it was just right. so strong it's not what a 21 year old needs to be taking and mm-hmm. again like there's a time and a place for it but I just I wish that I would have also incorporated some cannabis into my pain management and recovery protocol rather than just using opiates for like a month straight um okay because the withdrawals are just so bad and they don't feed your system they just like eat it away you know oh so i you know i wish that i would have known about it because i think it could have helped my recovery but i think ultimately too i just didn't eat right like i didn't know what fueling my body meant Mm -hmm. until just like even you know five years ago um 34 so it wasn't really until i turned like 30 that i i became very aware of how important of a role nutrition plays in performance. I had no idea. I just kind of ate whatever. I mean, we ate pretty healthy. My mom is a really good cook and, you know, we had home uh-huh. meals, but I was, I definitely wasn't fueling my body. And I think most athletes don't fuel their body and right. you know, that just what you put in your body is just so important when you're an athlete. Right. I'm a cook myself. I cook at a hospital um, down in Virginia. So um, oh, really? I know a little, yes, ma'am, I do. 
um, nice. Yes, and I see that you were born in July, and I'm a July baby myself. I was born on July 14th. Ooh, so, you're cancer. Yes, so we're cancer buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Love it. Yes, um, and the best thing about being a cancer, we're so open-minded. We're so loving people. Mm-hmm. So this, this was a, and technically we're only five years apart. <laughs> oh, really? You're 39? Yes. Are you older? Or younger? I, was born, yeah, you're... I was born in 1990. Oh, you're younger. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's my girlfriend's in 1990. And she's oh, actually nice. July 2nd. So you guys are both Ooh. cancers. Cool. That, that is lovely. Do you have See? any of the, the cancer crab? Uh, characteristics i have some you know i have <laughs> i have a loving spirit uh i have a um unique personality i like to laugh i like to joke i like to you know have fun um I'm open cancer base mm, gotcha gotcha yes so um uh let's see here um so tell us a little bit about your soccer career before it ended how i mean how would you tell, I mean, how would you describe your soccer career before you got injured and everything else? Um, all the training that you had to do. Tell yeah. somebody, I mean, for somebody that might be wanting to grow up to be a soccer player one day, what's all the training that goes into it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, right? And again, like, if you mm-hmm. play Division One, you're, like, less than 1% of the population. And then if you want to play pro or win an Olympic gold medal or a World Cup, whatever, like, mm-hmm. you're, like, I mean, you're in the, like, you know, point zero 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 one percentile of an elite yes. athlete. So it's it's tough. It's, like, you, it's God-given talent, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it's just a lot of sacrifice, and it's it's – so competitive and yes. you know what what you're being asked to do every single week basically year round all through high school all through college Ooh. I mean it's definitely a grind and I think for a lot of people you know and myself included like I didn't have the Ooh. mental fortitude to want to to keep going on and keep competing I was kind right. of ready to do something else I definitely got a little burnt out in college um mm-hmm. but what I can definitely says it doesn't just happen overnight like people like Megan Rapino and you know Abby Wambach and Alex Morgan and Mal Pugh I mean Crystal Dunn like those girls have trained mm-hmm. so hard and for so long and I mean they they eat breathe live it every single day every decision they make every day is basically involves their soccer it's like it's just in their mind every day everything they eat sleep um and so it's it's definitely it's not for everyone it wasn't for me right you know, I, was she pretty has... talented. Mm-hmm. I was pretty talented you know I definitely I think that I didn't have the heart and the mental capacity for it and like I said I kept getting injured which part of that could have been because my heart, full heart wasn't in it but um right you know it's it's tough it's definitely. I mean, uh, I I see because um, soccer is one of them t- uh, one of the sports that is year round, and mm-hmm. it it's like I see it every day on TV that soccer is just all year round. People playing it just, and I hear it about the World Cup, hear about your sister um, Megan, 
she's playing in the World Cup or she's doing this or a lot of other soccer players that you name, you know, that are out there. That, that it's just this sport is so competitive and you mm-hmm. got to play straight. I think it's 90 minutes on the on the field. Am I correct? Yeah, at minimum. And then just a little bit of stoppage time. Right. And then at halftime, I, I haven't seen when I've watched soccer for the first time and I seen like at the 45 minute marker, you guys take a break. Then you mm-hmm. come back on the field and you're running up and down the field and you got to kick the ball. And <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of dribbling in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of, and, and you would think yeah. that with an open goal, as big as it is, that it would be easy enough for you to kick a ball into the goal and mm-hmm. score goals in this game. But no, this game is very, very competitive. And mm-hmm. just, the, just the height and the kicking portion of it and one goalie, it's almost as if you're kicking to a smaller target. Totally. I mean, you're playing with your feet. That is so hard to play right. with your feet. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy if you think about it. It's almost and, compared to soccer. I mean, um, not soccer, but uh, hockey. Yeah. When you're playing yeah, with a puck and a stick. You're playing with a puck on skates. Yeah, hockey definitely. I don't know much about hockey, so I can't comment that much. I honestly don't think mm-hmm. I've seen, like, a full – game in the I can't even follow the puck it's so fast I don't even know what's going on and so I'm just like that alone I don't even I can't hockey, sit there and watch it because I can't follow the puck it's very hockey is just like soccer but except for it's limited players on the field but it's so competitive in hockey that you know as you're watching the puck go around you're trying to keep up with that I don't even keep up with the uh, puck anymore all I keep up with is either the players on the on the uh, ice, they're bumping each other up against the glass. Um, a lot of it's a lot of plays being made in hockey, and there's a lot of plays being made in soccer. And I want to know how do you all come up with plays in soccer? Explain that to me. Well, okay, so I mean, soccer definitely is a more fluid sport. I would say, like, you have a system, mm-hmm. and you have a certain style of play. Mm -hmm. Uh, or typically I mean you should have a certain style of play that your coach has kind of implemented and so everyone's kind of on the same page but it it definitely is free-flowing but you have like a general style and and tactics of like what you want to do throughout the game okay I would say like the only actual plays are during free kicks so like a corner kick or like if there's a foul and there's a free kick outside the box then you know you have certain plays um, usually only a few that that you would do, but in terms of like free flowing during the game, mm-hmm. you just play with you play within a system. Everyone has certain goals or tactics that they're trying to implement throughout the game, and you just you know you're just you have to be so on the same page about like what you're trying to do, you know, defensively in the midfield and attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it is an interesting sport, you know, because we don't have yes. plays like basketball and football and. I mean, it's definitely much more free-flowing within, like, right. a broader system or style. Okay. Okay. I mean, and, and as I see it, you know, sometimes I watch soccer. Um, it's like I see it, I watch it, and I'm just like you with kind of hockey a little bit. I'm trying to watch the ball, trying to watch how they move, how players are moving on the field. And I think of it like football, but without the contact, a lot of, bumping each other, a lot of hitting mm-hmm. in football that they do in football. But in soccer, though, 
I watch how everybody just come comes together as a team, and they're just moving the ball, kicking the ball, passing the ball. And it's very – it's kind of hard to see how you all pass the ball with your feet. You got to catch the ball with your feet. You got to dribble it up and down the field of what, what is 100 yards of the field. And it's just nonstop mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. And it, that interests me because I'm wondering, like, are these people tired? <laughs> so tired. <laughs> like, how can you just play – right, how can you play 45 minutes – of running back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes you stop. Sometimes the ball gets stopped or in play. And, like, do you all just cause a penalty just to stop, just to breathe for a minute? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> or sometimes you take a little extra time, like, getting that ball. Like, when it goes out of bounds, you got to throw it in, you know? Or, like, if you get fouled, take a little extra right. time setting it up. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, right. like, the beauty of soccer is it is just – such a physically demanding sport and it's an interesting sport because it it requires endurance obviously you you have to have the lung capacity to even play 90 minutes but it also requires strength and power because you you know you gotta like Mm -hmm. be able to be agile and sprint and go from like zero to you know um zero to 100 in a second yeah so it's it definitely is very demanding so for me like being a trainer because that's what i did for six years here in portland um, I was the okay. performance coach for University of Portland women's soccer team. And then I was the coach for, uh, or like the performance director for a lot of different clubs here. So it was definitely a fun and challenging task to like train kids, how to be soccer fit. Um, because you know, I mean, right. you gotta do all the strength and conditioning, but then on top of that, like you gotta be able to do that and also dribble a ball at full speed or be able to like be just totally exhausted yes. and then receive a ball turn and then like distribute it out. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough sport. It definitely is. I think that's why a lot of people love it and respect it so much. I mean, I, I think like MMA fighters are some of the most fit athletes I've ever seen. Certain NFL mm-hmm. athletes are for sure. And then yes. I think soccer players are up there as like some of the fittest athletes. Well, I will put, if I had to do anything, because in football, you get time to relax on the bench, sometimes <laughs> frames. Um, you're not playing the whole 60 minutes yeah. of football, or you're not on the field as long as soccer players are. So if I had to put anything above, if I had to put anything at number one, I would put soccer as one, hockey at two. Uh, I would put football at second, basketball number th- uh, five. And just so on and so forth. Now, oh, MMA because you got to play. You get and boxing, mm-hmm. MMA and boxing, all have mm-hmm. to be conditioned because you're playing. You're you're fighting for twelve rounds in boxing, and um, MMA you're doing five rounds of straight three minutes or four minutes or sometimes five minutes yeah. in a round. So, I would have to say that is one of the things that you got to be fully equipped to mm-hmm. be ready for. And it's a lot of training, a lot of running, a lot of lung capacity. You got to know how to breathe when you're when you're fighting or when you're on mm-hmm. the soccer field, football. You got to learn how to. Your agility comes more in football and and also mm-hmm. in soccer. Your agility is what's going to get you that field or what's going to get you your goal mm-hmm. or anything in that nature. Because I heard one pl- I heard one person say. Um, it was an uh, analyst on TV. Um, you could have the speed. And it was Shannon Sharp. I remember what Shannon Sharp said this. You can have the speed. T- 
to go all the way downfield. You can run a four three all day long. But what can you do when you have to slow mm-hmm. down and stop and then turn to catch the football or catch a ball? Yeah. Your speed it it it, it mean it's a lot. I mean, it has a lot to do with your speed, but also your agility has to come into play too because you have to mm-hmm. stop and you have to turn around to be able to slow down. I mean, you have to be able to, to run fast and slow down at the same time, right? To move your hips. He wasn't the fastest player. He wasn't the fastest 40-yard dash runner, but he knew how to slow down and adjust his speed to be able to turn around and catch the ball. Yeah. If that makes totally. sense. And then the power so to it, be able to change direction and, mm-hmm. and accelerate back to max velocity. That's tough. Right. And not to mention in football, like it, it takes endurance. Football, boxing, you know, anything contact, hockey, like it takes endurance right. to withstand those types of hits too. Yes. You know, like yes. for as long as they do. I mean, I you know, that's something like you take some hits in soccer and like it hurts. It keeps you down for a second. It you know, it takes energy to be able to like get back up and recover from that and mm-hmm. do it all over again. Because you guys are not wearing any pads. Um, it's straight just, I believe, um, are you guys wearing any pads, knee pads? No, or anything you were shin guards, sport? but I mean, we don't take the hit. Like, we take some hits, right? Like, we'll slide tackle, or there's definitely some collisions, but not, obviously nothing like hockey or, fight. you know, fighting or football. Like, fo- right. football is just, right. football's crazy. It's amazing it's a, to me how it's a it's monster, monster sport. Yeah, like it's amazing to me how a, so many retired NFL players. I've heard this so many times that like they wouldn't recommend their kids to play football nowadays. What do you think about that? Well, the concussion. Well, because of the concussion protocol. I mean, the concussions that many players and athletes are getting. Uh, CTE it comes mm-hmm. into play. Um, I do believe that the injuries, all the rest of the injuries that come into play, but the main thing about uh, football is, and hockey and everything else, is the concussions that you get. And concussions play a lot Mm -hmm. on the body. And a lot of people that have CTE that has died over the years, God rest their souls, but um, they have that lasting effects on them. They might forget things. They might go off and do crazy things, might argue a lot, be having bad mm-hmm. attitudes. CTE, it, it's something that's evolving in sports. And we don't have to and we don't have the means to test for that mm-hmm. just yet until somebody passes on to see if they have a I mean see if they have CTE right now. I did I watched that movie on um the one that Will Smith yeah. did um on concussion. Mm-hmm. That was a very good movie that showed how athletes were taking concussions and they were going broke. Some uh, One of the athletes in the movie that was portraying another person was zapping his leg all the time frame just to get to sleep. Yes. Or he was taking medication. He was doing drinking bleach or doing something else that was crazy. One athlete drove down the wrong side of the highway, didn't even realize that he was doing it, drove right into a truck. And killed himself. Man, I know. So these, yes. Well, what I mean, what's the answer? So these, what, what do you? What's like the future for football? <clears throat> well, I believe um, what they're doing now, 
by if your player seems to – if a player – there's no more helmet-to-helmet contact. They've completely taken that out. They're completely giving you a foul or a penalty on that. And the player has to sit down all I mean, for the rest mm-hmm. of the game. If he takes the helmet-to-helmet contact in the game, that player is out of the game for the rest of the game. He does not go back in. He doesn't do anything. He's on a strict percussion – I mean, strict concussion mm-hmm. protocol. So, which means is this, is that they're testing him out, testing his eyesight, everything that you would do for a concussion, they're doing that for him. And if they've passed concussion protocols in the league, then that way, I mean, then they can come back on the field the next game or they can play another game after that. But there is a mandatory, it's mandatory now in the NFL now that you must take that game, the rest of the game mm-hmm. off. You have to sit out for the rest of the game. But they're trying to modernize that by not letting – they're telling players, use your shoulders more. Use the padding of your shoulders more. Hit them in the chest area, not in the head area. Don't take head shots. Don't do this. Don't do that. If you can, tackle with your shoulders and leave your head up in that case. Do you think most players are, res- like, positively receptive to this? Or is there a lot of pushback? Because they're like, yo, this is the way I played all growing up. Like, you know, you're watering down the sport. Well, some players, I can't speak for all players. I think some players are, you know, trying to keep their health going. I believe that some players are trying to basically – you know, protect their futures, like Tom Brady, who we all know mm-hmm. is the GOAT of football mm-hmm. as the quarterback position. He hasn't taken any too many headshots. He hasn't been hurt that much, only but the hand injury. But I think players like him that wants to play, keep playing in the NFL has to know that these hits are really good. I mean, these hits are they – can, they can have a lasting effect on you. So if he if they're trying to protect quarterbacks, they're trying to protect other players. Like the main people that I believe are more affected mm-hmm. by this are the offensive line and the defensive line oh. because they have to stand in the stance. They had to get down in the stance, and they're contacting each other as soon as they go head to head and um, push back or protecting their quarterbacks. So I think they're more susceptible to concussions than anybody will realize. Cause that is very, that is just very much straight impact. Mm-hmm. Once you hike the ball, you're strictly going into somebody else's mm-hmm. chest and you have to push the back or guard them from getting to the quarterback and giving the quarterback enough chances to throw the ball downfield or to run it back, to run the ball up the field or maneuver or do what he has to do. Wide receivers, they're more prone to it too as well because it's just like I'm open, I'm receptive because I got to go catch Mm -hmm. the ball. So if another player comes at me with contact, I have to either eat it or I'm just going to shield myself from the contact, try my best to shield myself from contact and basically protect myself with my head being up and just letting them hit me in my chest area. Yeah, they're so vulnerable. Some of those hits that those receivers take are just, like, hard to watch. Yes, yes. And in the XFL, I've seen a lot of – I've seen a lot of hits in the XFL league this year that was pretty pretty vulnerable mm-hmm. hits. 
and a lot of bad hits in the XFL. And it was it was more like I was watching the old NFL players play in the, in the, in the NFL um, while they were playing in the XFL league now that just started back up. And now their season has just been canceled um, due to the coronavirus and everything else that's going on in the world. Um, it's just some bad hits that goes on in there. And sometimes we just got to protect ourselves, give ourselves better helmets, better shoulder pads, better everything, better equipment. I think they're modernizing everything to try to get better equipment for these players to protect them at all time frames. Because our brains aren't, um, protected by anything it's just loose up there so every time you take a hit with um in the head your brain just moves and it just constantly moves back and forth which causes you to get headaches um that's what's causing concussions and everything else causing your brain to kind of swell up and when your brain just swells up like that it you know it's taking a beat and it's producing bad oxygen i mean bad uh, bad things to go on in the brain, bad fluids to come out, your brain starts to swell and bleed and things in that nature. So it's trying to get protection up there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting moving forward. I mean, it, it's football yes. definitely, would you say football has the highest number of concussions and, and CTE um, diagnoses of like compared to hockey. I mean, hockey still can be bad, but it's football definitely. Something's got to change with football, huh? I think that both sports would have to change because in hockey, you don't, you really don't have a, a, a real protection for your head and for head injuries in hockey. Mm -hmm. But also, too, in football where there's – both sports are basically contact base. So I think that both sports will have to modernize and develop new system, new systems to basically protect their players from concussions and everything. So I would put them both on the same equal level. Hmm. That that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, interesting. I <laughs> hope we can. I mean, I, you know, obviously both sports are revered in this country, especially, but in the world. And, you know, we just need to do everything we can to take care of our athletes. Right, right. And I also believe, I mean, so um, how do you, how are you doing with um, with this self, uh, what are they calling it? Um, social, uh, distancing. social distancing. <laughs> yeah, social distancing and with the coronavirus going around, is everyone safe in your family? Everybody taking precautions and everything? Yeah, everyone's taking precautions. I mean, the, it hit the West Coast first, especially up in Washington, yes. which is where Megan lives. So, you know, we definitely mm -hmm. were hearing about it and taking it seriously kind of from the get-go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I would say, like, my, my parents and family down in California, uh, they live in a smaller town. And, you know, I think at first they weren't taking it as seriously. And then Megan, it took a few conversations, but Megan finally in, instilled the fear of God into them. And so now they're not leaving their house. <laughs> um, right. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's interesting. I mean, this is, this is a weird time. This is an unprecedented time. And my heart goes out to every business and especially small business that relies on any foot traffic right now. Um, it's going to be tough, right. you know, and I, anyone in the service industry, 
both employers and employees, this is just a tough time. And, you know, I, I'm encouraged to know that our government is, is doing everything they can to offer small business loans uh, to businesses mm-hmm. and to offer some relief funds to individuals. Cause you know, I think, I think we're going to be feeling this at least all through the summer, hopefully in the fall, things can get back to normal, but there's just so much also that we don't know about the actual virus. Um, right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think the CDC and, uh, you know, everyone's doing everything they can to, to get some answers. But until then, I just hope people take it seriously and actually do stay home. Because if, if everyone just stays home and isolates themselves for 14 mm-hmm. days, then, you know, it, we potentially can be in the clear. But we just, unfortunately, if there's still people out there that are spreading it, then, you know, it just kind of leaves everyone else just kind of like stuck. So. Right, right. I believe that, you know, self-quarantining is is key. But I also believe that, as we've seen in China, China self-quarantined everybody in China. And after they self-quarantined, the skies opened up over there in China. They seen a blue sky for once in their blue mm-hmm. moons of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But then they had, norm, uh, then they had several pop-ups mm-hmm. after they self-quarantined themselves. Mm-hmm. So is it really going to help us if we all self-quarantine or is it just you know something that we're just going to have to live with and deal with for a minute like you said hopefully I mean we can do something in the fall or the winter time frame coming about but is it something that we can do kind of better in your opinion to basically protect ourselves besides washing your hands every day that we besides, you know, cleaning up everything, wiping down everything. It's it I believe, do you have any um anything that you would say to anybody that can basically help them out even more with this virus? Well, they know that the virus really only lives for about 14 days. So if you are someone that's infected or if you've been around someone that you think has been infected, you have to isolate yourself for 14 days, you know, mm-hmm. and then from what the studies are showing, it, it will die off, but, or become dormant. But I mean, you know, the reality is we don't know much about it. So we have to just take these natural measures right now, which is like, isolate yourself, wash your hands, um, you know, wear masks if you're in a public place um, until we have a vaccine. And really until we have a vaccine, the only thing that we can do are sort of these like more natural measures. So that's why it's important that we get the vaccine out as soon as possible. But I don't, from what I've heard, it probably won't come out for at least another year or so. So yeah, I think this year is going to be, it's going to be different than what everyone is used to for sure. And I think if, if you feel like you've been infected or if you're feeling symptoms, I mean, as of right now, the only thing that you can do is just isolate yourself for at least 14 days. Right. So how do you feel about um, people taking up all the toilet paper out of the stores and uh, buying up all the hand sanitizers and things of that nature? (laughs) I mean, I think people get crazy. (laughs) People are totally nuts, especially when they're feeling fearful. People will do crazy things and people also become not everyone, but some people become very selfish. Uh, when they feel like their mm-hmm. life is endangered. And so, you know, they just want to make sure that they're okay. And they kind of forget that like, 
hey, yo, we got to make sure everyone's okay here. You know, I mean, it's not, <laughs> we're going to continue to have toilet paper and Purell and all that. Like you don't need to take five of them. You can take a couple and leave the rest for everyone else. Uh, but yeah, no, it's right. been interesting to watch people's response um, to this because people get crazy when they're feeling like their yes. life is being threatened in some way. Yeah, I, I've seen that on TV myself and I'm laughing because I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine the other day and they were like, I was asking them, I said, what is the last thing on earth if something really went down, like a zombie apocalypse or uh, any virus outbreak that people wouldn't couldn't control at the time frame? What is the last thing on earth that would be on somebody's mind to buy from a store? And the last thing we thought about was toilet paper. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of or, other things you can um, with. Right, or um, something like uh, on Zombieland, a Twinkie. <laughs> it's the little things in life that would that will help you out, like a Twinkie or something, or a candy bar or something. If you can't go to the store no more, if you can't find it in the store, the last thing I will buy would be toilet paper or a Twinkie or a candy bar, Kit Kats or something like that. That would be the last thing on my mindset to buy. Mm-hmm. I would think people will go out there and buy more food, yeah, more, um, more gloves or masks or anything along those lines. But people are actually going to the stores, and this was the first part of the pandemic before anybody even thought about it. They bought toilet paper. Mm-hmm. I know. So I'm I'm sitting up there laughing. I'm like, why is everybody buying all this toilet paper? Why is everybody buying up all of these masks and everything else? Like this disease, I mean, this virus, I should say, is going to just, it's just going to go this way. And at the first time, and this was my first thinking, I don't think this virus is going to be around for a long period of time frame. It's going to probably go around for like a month or two, and everybody's going to start getting better. Everybody's going to start to figure out a way to contain this virus and do everything else. But people were so strong on buying toilet paper and everything else that we didn't even think about how this can all spread and with now every business small businesses are shutting down per se it is making the world go a lot crazier in a sense Mm -hmm. and i was telling people i said you guys got to be calm you guys got to calm down breathe think of things that you can do while you're at home spending more time with your family if you was at work all the time frame this is the time frame you can spend at home with your families now this is a time frame that you can do more with your kids, mm-hmm. do more things with everybody else around the world, but in your in your house. You could just sit down in the house, play movies, play video games, do a lot of different things that you wasn't doing before. This virus actually helps you do that. Mm-hmm. It actually gives you the time off to go in the house and spend time with your families more. Totally. This virus gives it gives you a chance to say, well, hey. I got 14 days to breathe now. I've been at work all these days. I don't have to use my leave time frame. Mm-hmm. I don't have to use vacation time or anything in nature, sick leave or none of that. I'm still getting paid to be at home. So if you're still getting paid to be at home to do these things, spend your time with your family and graduate to that and learn more about your families if you've been at work for eight hours throughout the day. That's exactly it, Mark. You know what it's doing? It's giving the whole world permission to just be, which is something that we don't do. You know, we live in a crazy, busy, 
technologically advanced society and we're constantly yes. plugged in we're you know we have the attention span of a peanut basically as a society mm-hmm. we're all about instant yes. gratification and yes. it's just this is the first time where everyone just has to like stop and you can't make plans you just kind of have to like be with yourself or your family mm-hmm. or your roommate depending mm-hmm. on living situations um so you know for me right. Like this is the most I've probably talked to my siblings in years. Um, this See? is yeah, like See? I feel. I mean, you know, I'm I'm running a small business. Luckily, we're all online, right. and luckily, we're cannabis, and cannabis has deemed an essential item. So we're not shut down. Our manufacturers aren't shut down. Our distribution center isn't shut down. Which, you know, thank thank God, because that obviously would right. be very stressful. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, so other than the, the economic stress of what's happening and just making sure that, that I can keep the, my business up and running, this is like the least stressed I've felt in a really long time. Because <laughs> like, and my girlfriend, I mean, we, you know, we're just, I work during the day, I work from home, which sometimes I get a little coop. So I got to make sure I get out and at least walk the dogs and get my runs in and all that. But like, right. we used to fill our weeks with so much crap that would like stress mm-hmm. us out all these plans and boot camps and you know meetings and it's just like you take all that away and I'm just it's pretty peaceful actually <laughs> I'm like God, See, what, was, it, all, it, what it, was I doing before right and it gives you the time to say it gives you the time to relax and take that deep breath in and say ah yeah exactly what is who am I as a person? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And you know what? That goes right along with your slogan, being the better, I mean, being the best you. Yeah, exactly. So now you get a chance to live your slogan mm-hmm. your, uh, in this lifetime right now because we're all trying to be a better us. And we're all trying to basically figure out who we are. And a lot of people cannot slow down because they never slowed down before. Mm-hmm. So with all the businesses shut down and everything else, this is why people, I believe, are going and panicking right now because not once time, not one time in their lifetime, besides a little vacation time frame from work, have they sat down and literally just thought about themselves mm-hmm. or thought about their families in a minute. Yeah. Um. It's this virus, if you think about it, has a lot more pros to it than a lot of cons to it. Now, yes, 50 and over people are passing away because of the virus, because we're spreading the virus and we don't know who carriers are or things in nature. But I mean, and my heart goes out to them, too, and those families out there, too, as well. But if we just self-isolate ourselves for a minute and, you know, take time and just stay in the house, spend time with our families, develop a communication base with our families, talk to them about different things, or actually just enjoy life for a minute. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pros to this virus. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, I, you know, I definitely don't want to be insensitive to the economic state um, that this is going to put a lot of people in. And I Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, I see that, this will hurt some people and some businesses for sure. But I believe yes, that there's a silver lining in just about everything. And I think mm-hmm. nature has a funny way of, you know, kind of resetting us when we need to be reset a little bit. And I think that 
if we can take this challenging time and kind of, you know, flip it around and, and try to find the, the, the silver lining in it, I think that like we can learn to just be a little bit better. You know what I mean? And like, yes, disconnect from the things that don't feed our souls connect more with the earth and the environment i mean you know you see the news like last weekend there were more people in parks and on hikes and trails than like ever before you know that's cool like people are going getting Mm -hmm. out they're riding bikes with their families or they're going on hikes or going to parks like you don't see that normally because people are inside they're on their phones they're disconnected Mm -hmm. from the world but they're connected in like this very finite myopic way and you know i'm kind of all for just you know connecting enjoying the the fresh air yeah enjoy you know connect with the things that feed your soul and i think that i think especially in this time it's more important than ever and really like what else do we have to do um uh, there's been a lot of tiktok videos out there um going around and the one strangest tiktok video that i've seen on tiktok Where there was a girl, there was some girls out there, or there was boys and girls out there actually licking toilet seats during the coronavirus challenge. I don't know if you heard about that yet. Have you? No. What? Yes. There's a challenge out there right now called the coronavirus challenge, where they're licking toilet seats, they're taking lollipops, and they're licking the lollipop one after each other. And I'm like, why are you they're showing some people's true colors out there like just like people that were down at miami beach this a few weeks ago and they said half of them tested positive for the coronavirus down at miami beach did you hear about that one mm-hmm. yeah yeah so there's a lot of things that are showing people's true colors out there there's a lot of memes going on around there and i mean that that is one of the cons of the situation we mm-hmm. taking the now that's the con of it. You're taking the virus as if it's a joke. Yeah. And that's not what we're telling people here. And me and you are not telling people to take this virus as a joke. But we're taking we're telling you all um, that are out there that are, that are going to listen to the show take the virus seriously. But don't do weird things in that nature. Don't make vines or or TikTok videos about you all doing that. Or don't take um, self-isolation meaning take time with your families as we're promoting. Mm-hmm. Take your time, go out there, enjoy nature, run around a little bit, but make sure yourself, make sure you're protecting yourselves at all times, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. I mean, I think it's very selfish for any anyone out there who's not under like the high risk um, population mm-hmm. for the coronavirus. If you're not taking it seriously, it's, it, you're just completely disregarding anyone else who's at high risk. Because if you're at high risk, someone who's elderly or whose respiratory system is compromised or, you know, who's maybe going through chemo or something like that, they are right. truly at risk for being mm-hmm. very affected by this. I mean, fatal, right. it can be fatal for them. So, right. you know, I, I think a lot of the younger population they know that if they get it, a lot of times, like they wouldn't even exhibit symptoms. So they're like, ah, whatever, you know, it's not going to affect right. me, but it's, right. you know, it's just, it's, it's a selfish view because it's not about you. It's about all of the other people that you're going to affect and all those people who, you know, potentially it could be fatal for. Um, right. So I agree. Take it seriously. If not for yourself, for like 
the millions of other people in this country where the coronavirus could be could take their life. Yeah, and I and I agree totally, a hundred percent with all that. And I just, I, I just didn't. It just took to me because I was like, "What in the world?" Are, we have a lot of challenges out there. They have the push-up challenge you could be doing. You could do the um, a workout challenge or anything in that nature. But you're doing a, you made up a, a thing called the coronavirus challenge, and that was one thing that I knew that that is crazy. That mm-hmm. is something that. It, I don't even know who came up with that idea. And that's not something I would play around with. That's not something that you would want to promote out there anymore. And I just seen it in somebody else's video, uh, uh, an actual comedian video, where he was showing people doing all this stuff. And you can find it on YouTube or anything in that nature. But I'm like, if you look at yourselves from now, as a younger generation that you're not showing signs, what happens when you go back home? Mm-hmm. What happens when you when you really are under self-isolation after this virus and you spread it to one of your family members? How would you feel about that one? Yeah. And in this time of a pandemic that we're going through, we have to start taking this thing very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. We have to. Well, I think a lot of people don't, you know, they don't really care about things until it affects them. So, you know, for right. instance, like Carl Anthony Towns right now, the mm-hmm. basketball player for the Timberwolves, his mom was just in, in, got put in an induced coma because she she got she has the virus and she's obviously mm-hmm. of someone who is at high risk for it because she is an older person. Mm-hmm. And she's like in critical care right now. And it it's probably not going to affect a lot of people unless they see someone like Carl Anthony Towns that they really care about or s- some other person or player or famous person who gets Tom it. And Hanks. Who's in- yeah, Tom Hanks, who's like He's in critical care. Albert. And then they're like, oh, God, this thing actually is real. I think, you know, I mean, I think that's just human nature. You tend to not really care about things until it's like personal to you. Um, and, or it has a face to it. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, definitely sending love to Carly Anthony Towns and his mom and anyone else out there yes. who's in critical yes. care, for sure. Yes. And, I mean, when I seen this thing hit the NBA and I seen this thing hit soccer, and now that the Tokyo um, Olympic Games are being canceled, <clears throat> this this is uh, the life without sports. Mm-hmm. And... I feel happy that, I mean, I feel happy that some of the sports players now get to have time to relax, Mm -hmm. take a day off. Um, Not saying that because of the virus did this to them or they have virus or they caught the virus or anything like that. No. What I'm saying is is that they have a chance to sit back now, relax, take some games off. And I was telling my buddy of mine on the show one time frame, I think that the NBA should implement a two-week or a week off um, time frame in the NBA because you're playing 82 games in the NBA. Yeah, and I think they should give them like two weeks off in the mid and the end of the, like middle of the ending of the season type frame, mm-hmm. and then let them come back and play out the rest of the games, the rest of the ten games that they have going on, or so that way you can see your best player on the court more often than you've seen them now because mm-hmm. a lot of players been taking a lot of games off in the nba because it's straight 82 games yeah, or like in soccer where it's right and a lot of players in soccer take a lot of games off because of the fact of the matter is that it's year round and we have to continuously play 
all the time frame. Mm-hmm. So I believe that there should be like a two week, uh, two week thing, two week program where you get to sit back, relax, rest your injuries up, or if you have an injury, take your injuries off, and that way we get the players back on the court quicker than we are now. Because a lot of players are taking, I mean, a lot of players that are getting injured now have to be out for the entire season. And my, one of my favorite players, uh, John Wall, who was out with an Achilles injury, is now gone for the entire season now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I've been waiting to see him get back on the court for a while. Yeah. So it it, it would amaze me to see how they regroup or how everybody will come back once sports is allowed to play again and audience members come back or people start to gather again and doing these events again. I want to see how the sports world is going to react to this and how everybody's going to cope with the virus still going around maybe at that time frame or we find some way to keep things going after mm-hmm. this virus has been at its high peak. Mark, do you think that Bradley Beal should have made the All-Stars? Honestly, I do. Yeah. Honestly, I do. I do. Why mm-hmm. I say that is because he's been playing his heart out. He has been playing his heart out. And to not see him in the All-Star game, it kind of made me tear up a little bit, though, because I was like, wow, this man has been battling with his team that's um, that could potentially make an eighth seed in the playoffs. And, you know, it was it was crazy for me. It was crazy not to see him in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, he's but, a high performer. It was it was definitely a shock that he wasn't in. Obviously, he was very upset about it, but mm-hmm. he's he's a good player. Definitely a very good player. Well, hey, Mark, this has been amazing. I think I got to get going though because it's about nine thirty here on the West Coast, and I got to yes, get ma'am. some work done. Yes, ma'am. I was just about to close the show with you um, just a few minutes ago. Um, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I appreciate this so much, and I look forward to doing for many, me. many more with you. Yes, definitely. Keep keep Mindy in mind. Uh, you know, we we're here to talk about sports. We're here to talk about cannabis. Uh, you know, we love them both equally. Thank you so much for having me on your show, the Realist Sports Show. Rachel yes. Pino here. Y'all have a great day. Oh, and please send me some more information about your show. Please, I'm um about not your show, I'm sorry, about your products and your lines. If you got anything coming out, we'd love to sponsor them on the show. Oh, cool. Cool. So, Please. and I definitely will. So it, it, sound, it looks like I'm the host. So when I finish recording, how do I get this to you? Um, I think I can get it. Um, either you can send it to me via uh, uh, email, the recording, or I can see if I can post it, um, see if I can get it emailed to my, I mean, I think I can record it to the show page. I think I can. Okay. Well, but, how about, I don't know that I have your email, but I'll send it to our PR agency. And if okay. you, for some reason, can't get it, just contact them and they'll have it. Okay. Thank you so much for this. I appreciate okay, it Okay. So thank much. you, Mark. Stay safe out there, okay? Will do. 